At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the How of Business with Henry Lopez and David Begin, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome to this episode of the How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and my guest today is DeAndre Wilson. DeAndre, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. I'm excited to have him. In this episode, we're going to chat with DeAndre about uh, his entrepreneurial journey and about how he started with his business partner, a catering business called Turntable. So that's the topic of this episode. Before we get started, though, I'd like to say thanks to Bradley. Bradley is one of our longtime listeners. Bradley, thanks for being a listener of the How of Business. If you want to receive more information about the How of Business, including links to the show notes page for this episode, you can simply text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996. That's biz, text biz to 31996. So DeAndre Wilson is a young entrepreneur, and he's the co-founder of a catering business called Turntable. As a college student, DeAndre, along with his business partner, Chef Jeff, that's a tricky one to say, uh, they began conceptualizing <laughs> they began conceptualizing and charting a roadmap for an innovative catering model and a dynamic brand. And DeAndre will share with us what he means by that. Uh, the Turntable brand is regionally recognized. He's in the Evansville, Indiana area. They're regionally recognized for mixing, remixing rather, and remastering recipes to create visually enticing cuisine with distinctive flavor. Uh, DeAndre strives to be a change agent by developing more inclusive and accessible channels for entrepreneurs to get the necessary resources, the mentoring, and the support for long-term success in his region. Uh, He earned a degree in hospitality administration, and he participates in formal programs and courses uh, in business development and entrepreneurship. He most recently has joined SCORE, which is an organization which I am also part of. They're part of the Small Business Administration. And he's going to be mentoring other uh, young and uh, not necessarily young, but all, all kinds of aspiring entrepreneurs in his region. So he's already giving back to other fellow entrepreneurs. As I mentioned, DeAndre lives in Evansville, Indiana. And so once again, DeAndre Wilson, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm, I, it's going to be fun. I can't wait. Absolutely. I, I was excited as I was doing the research and looking at all the things that you guys are already doing. Uh, you're a great success story and, and you've got a long way to go. You know, you guys are young, but you're already doing some incredible things. Thank you. Um, it's always inspiring to me, especially to, to speak with young entrepreneurs, because it's what I wish I would have had the courage to do when I was your age. So it's a tremendous thing for you to share with us. I'm interested always, when did it hit you as a young person, as a child, that you wanted to be your own boss and why? Oh, excellent question. Uh, Jeff got, uh, who's the head chef turntable, shout out to Jeff. He's probably chilling today. (laughs) Um, We grew up in the same neighborhood, but went to two different high schools. And once we became friends, we saw in our community that it was a food desert. 
Um, mm. We noticed that after school, children wasn't getting the, the nutrition that they needed. Um, we knew that we, early on, we fell in love with the respective industries that we're in now. Um, that's what we went to school for. Jeff went to school in Rhode Island at uh, Johnson and Wales and then off to um, uh, Johnson Wells in Charlotte. And it's funny, I went to Ivy Tech Community College and we studied the exact same thing. So looking at our community and then going to school to study the same major, we knew that we could bring that back to our community. And that helped us figure out, you know, through good customer service, excellent food, we can ignite our community and, and we're doing just that today. So that was our motivation in high school. We figured it out early. This is what we want to do. This is what we need to do. Yeah. So, so in high school, you guys decided one day we're going to open what a restaurant. Was that the dream? We knew that we needed to apply our strengths. We didn't know how. And throughout the courses of college, when we started picking up more jobs, getting more experiences, um, having uh, uh, restaurants and other catering companies see our true talent, we said, you know what? We're so good at this now. We might as well do it for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so was it a, what drove you there to want to be your own boss? Was it that that was the only way you saw you would be able to provide this that was missing in your community? Were there other, but were there other reasons why you wanted to be an entrepreneur? For, for me, and I can't, I can't speak for Jeff, but, but for me, um, in Edmondsville where I'm from, um, there's a lot of hospitality practices and catering practices that I would love to implement, but, Edmondsville is really a slow moving town. And I knew if I wanted to be excellent, I had to do it for myself. I had to get out there and do it my way. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying the ways that are, that are happening now are wrong, but I know that if we want Evansville to be um, attractive and a vibrant place that you're going to have to have diversity in food and in businesses. Um, and so I said, you know, I'm going to have to step out of my comfort zone and do it myself. Um, when I did work for corporate America, I tried to implement some of my practices, but again, those were too far out there, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of like an eye opening experience where I was like, well, I must do it for myself at mm -hmm. this point. Give me an example of what we're talking about. That's, that's an example of a practice or a way of doing things that the only way you could implement them was by doing your own thing. Absolutely. So I believe um, in the catering industry, what we do at turntables when we cater an event or when we're at a festival, you come to our booth or you come to our, our party or what have you, there's always music playing. And that music correlates to what we're serving. It also creates um, good energy, a good atmosphere. Um, it also creates positive nightlife. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yes, in other catering um events you have typically the background music that's softly playing no we promote a party it's fun get up and dance um so we also are identifying the correlation between music and food that if you're having a good time um you're going to eat more definitely mm -hmm. and you're also going to go to the bar and keep buying drinks and keep having a good time so it's kind of putting all that together Mm -hmm. integrating the, the music, the atmosphere, the party at component of it, along with the food. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Did you have early influences of people who were entrepreneurial, who had their own businesses? Tell me about that. Did you have anybody around you that was an influence in that regard? 
Absolutely. Uh, my, my father, um, he had his own business. This is before I was even thought of. Uh, he had a gym and I, we used to talk about it uh, back in, you know, back in the day. My, my father passed when I was 24, uh, but he shared with me some of some of his insight. And basically what happened is he couldn't make the business sustainable because he couldn't get people to pay for membership. Mm. And he would always be a little too nice and say, okay, you can pay it next time or come on in. It's no problem. Um, and that's kind of taught me to, to where um, when I'm talking to someone about utilizing our catering services, I'm expecting payment. I'm expecting that 50% ASAP. Uh, just learning from what, what my dad went through. Yeah. Big, big takeaway. You have to collect because yes. Uh, like you said, you know, your dad was a very nice guy. And, and the problem is that people take advantage of that. Did he want you to go into business or was he soured because of that experience? He actually said, do whatever makes you happy. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Did you uh, often when that happens, though, when we grew up in environments where, like you said, your father who had you probably saw him work really hard and and maybe not get the rewards that he deserved. Did that scare you or, or keep you from maybe I don't want to do that? It actually didn't because I knew from the all the conversations we had, um, I knew that that was the problem that he wasn't collecting. So I know that I need to collect. Yeah. Um. He didn't have any other issues but that one. So that's actually positive results to say if I can fix just that one, then I'll be better off. Yeah, that's great. Why did you go to college? So I really like the hospitality industry. Um, I'm a people person. And I just had fun in the industry. I had fun serving at events and catering events and sharing in, into people's happiness and experience. Uh, you know, I love planning events. So to plan something for someone or with someone and then to see how excited they are and how, invest, and how invested they are, uh, that's, that's success for me. That's satisfying for me. So able to go to college and do just that, get a degree for it, get certifications for it. Um, that's wonderful. I, I was working in the industry while getting the industry degree and saving money. And that's just, to me, the wonderful thing. Yeah. And you and Jeff obviously stayed friends and you continued developing or started developing this idea for the food business. Is that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. We were, we worked on our business plan together. Uh, we had some help along the way. Uh, I'm more of the business side of turntable and Jeff's the food side. So he kind of let me take the reins on developing the business plan. And I can tell you, I had so much fun doing it. And I would like run back to Jeff and say, Hey Jeff, this is what I've got. This is what we're doing. This is how cool this is. And he would look at me with like, <laughs> okay, sure. But now it's like that with food. He'll share with me some unique recipes and I'm like, okay, that's that, great. That's great. Just do that. It smells good. Do it. So that's how it works. Yeah, and that that's so key to how partnerships can work well, right? Because often, especially people will tell you, don't go into partnership with friends. Yeah. But you guys very early on had a delineation on responsibilities, and that seems to really work for you guys. We, we did. We really did. And throughout the, throughout the course of building this business, we have an operating agreement, and that operating agreement keeps us in line. Yeah, that's it says here. Yeah, it says here's what DeAndre does. Here's what Jeff does, and we can stay focused that way, and it's working out great. Best decision we made. You guys are still friends. One of the things that that often I want to hear from people is, 
and everybody has does it a different way, but do you guys blend life and business? Are you always talking business? Do you have a rule that you don't talk business when you're off the clock, quote unquote? Tell me about how you guys do it. How does it work for you? So we kind of integrate business and life together because it's what we want to do for the rest of our life. However, we do play video games all the time when we can. <laughs> we still play video games or or watch, you know, Chef Table on Netflix and talk about research. And it's fun to us. It's what we chose to do. So we almost look at business as fun in a way. Yeah, well, you should, right? I mean, it's something you, you've been passionate about for a long time and you still are. Yeah. So you're fortunate. I mean, this is what people talk about, do something you're passionate about. The tricky part to that, though, is figuring out a business model where you can make money at whatever that is. And you guys yes. seem to have figured that out. Yes, yes. All right. I know from early on, you developed what you called a five-year business roadmap. Just at a high level, walk me through that. What, what did you figure out you needed to do? And in particular, where I'm interested in is how you decided you needed to start small and then grow. Absolutely. Um, I like organic growth and learning through that in my internship when I was in college at the um, Southwest Indiana Chamber where I interned at, um, we talked a lot about that and I felt, you know, comfortable with that process. So the first three years of building Turntable, all Jeff and I did, because we were also in college at this time, um, was just build the business plan for three years. That's all we, we, we did. We worked on the, the business landscape model. The, we worked on the um, business canvas model. We worked on the cost analysis, different variation of menus. We worked on the technology side of it, the advertisement side of it. It actually took us quite some time to develop a marketing task plan. I'm not a big fan of marketing strategic plans, more so than tasks, because you can like measure the success of all of those. Tell, tell me the difference there. Um, is it that you liked what you found more productive was to lay out a more tactical plan? Correct. Like, so correct. Give me an example of what we're talking about there. So one of our biggest selling points, and I have no problem sharing any of my, my findings, but for me, the way that turntable is being is so successful today is because I don't wait by the phone or by email to wait till we get to business. I put boots on the ground. I'm in the community. I'm literally walking around, figuring out, talking to people, putting a face to the business. Um, I read in Business Insider an article they posted a while ago that 33% of catering business comes from a caterer just walking in the room. Hmm. And so that told me from early on, if I just go to networking events and people can see me wearing a turntable shirt or recognize my face, I can pretty much lock in the business then. Yeah. And so was that part of your planning was I'm going to spend X amount of hours or I'm going to hit these places? How did you how did you lay that out? Or was it just that's going to be the primary driver and spend instead of, you know, spending money on Facebook ads or whatever other kind of advertisement you might spend on? We, we decided that, you know, Jeff and I, we work towards our strengths and we hire towards our weaknesses. So like I said, I love people. And so I spent maybe five hours a day um, attending networking events, uh, simply walking down the street um, in downtown Evansville, 
um, or our arts districts, or economic districts, um, just walking around, letting people see that, hey, I'm approachable. He's here. Oh, that's that catering guy. And it, and it worked out great. Yeah. All right. I want to go back to you as you were doing a development. Menu, menu development is often one of the big challenges. And a lot of people, although they have a dream or aspiration to open a restaurant or a catering business, developing that menu, uh, putting together the recipes, uh, calculating the cost and, and what the pricing is going to be and what profitability is going to be. That's, that's not easy. Uh, is that something that Jeff did and he learned how to do in school? Just tell me a little bit about how you guys went through that process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when we both were in college, he studied a longer culinary term than I did. I just had a few electives, but in both of our culinary classes, you learn how to cost out a menu by hand. You learn what the profit margins in the restaurant industry are. Um, you know, 30, 30, 30, 10 is pretty industry standard. And so we talk about that a lot. Well, 30, so explain that uh, to me, that 30, 30. Oh, 30. yeah, yeah. Uh, profit, um, your labor costs, and your food costs is 30, 30, 30, and the 10 is, is your profit. Yeah. And so as, you, as he was developing recipes, you guys were testing to that model. It had to fit within that model. How, how, did, how did you begin to test that, okay, I'm going to charge $10 per person for this menu, that that was a that there was a demand for that at that price. How did you begin to test that? So here, here's what we did in year four of the uh, uh, building turntable. We would have a lot of events here in Evansville. We have what's known as First Fridays in Haney's Corner. Haney's Corner is one of our arts districts, and so we participated in that. And what we did for the entire uh, year four is we gave food away for free. Wow. And what we did is we did, um, is we had guest comment cards. And so once individuals were done trying our food, they would come and fill out a card. We then took that information back and, and did research of what works, what's not going to work, how much people could see themselves paying for this kind of item. Um, does it, is it, you talk about perceived value. You know, I can charge you um, a $7 burger, but did it look like it was worth $7? Because, you know, we eat with our eyes first. Right. So it's all about perceived value. So we collected that data, um, brought it back, and then really started to cost out um, our menus. Because oftentimes we hear what the market could bear. But I'm also a firm believer that if people truly want it, they'll just pay for it. Okay. All right. All right. So during that period of time where you're giving it away, how are you paying the bills? Are you, you're still, you still have a full-time job as well. And what about Jeff? Yeah, we both had full-time jobs at the time. Um, I was working full-time at uh, Just Rennie's, which is a catering company here in Evansville. That's where I, I learned from uh, both, both front of the house and back of the house. And then Jeff was working at, at uh, Rolling Hills Country Club um, as a line chef. And so that's what we did. So both of our bosses uh, were respective of what we wanted to do and would give us the appropriate time off that we needed. Okay, that's huge. Yeah. But what was really cool was that uh, we also found out in our research that people tend to spend money towards the end of the week. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Mm. So we would work Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, prep on Thursday, and then be ready for Friday and Saturday. Okay. So when did you start then doing paid events, paid catering events? Tell me about that segue. You started for about a year, giving it away for free, collecting that information. Then when did you start doing paid events? Uh, in, tw in 2018 is when we started. We, we were successful for seven months. 
um, we were able to start cash flowing early on in the company to where we didn't have to pay for anything that Turntable needed because Turntable was sustainable just that quick. Now, we wasn't able to pay ourselves from the company, uh, but we took on a lot of business. So a lot of local festivals, local catering, pop-up events, you name it, we were doing it. So every weekend, uh, we had business. So just this year, we were cash flowing early. Okay. And you started with money that both you and Jeff had saved. How did you fund the starting, the start of it this year? So what's really cool is um, I attended a lot of business classes um, that the community had to offer. And one in particular that I'm so thankful for is the IDA program through um, uh, CAPE. And CAPE is a local not-for-profit here in Evansville. But basically, it was a matching program that if we put in some, put in money, then that three different agencies would match our money. Wow. And so we were able to take that income move it to the business account, and then we just made the appropriate purchases that way. You had to apply for this, I'm assuming. Yes, you had to be selected based on business plan experience to be a part of the program. So why do you think you were selected? I've got a lot of feedback from the business plan that Jeff and I developed, and a lot of uh, professionals, a lot of bankers, et cetera, said that we have one of the best business plans they've seen in a long time. And I think that's truly why we were accepted. What What do you think was good about it? What What resonated with them that they said it was a good plan? The research. And you, you spelled that out. In other words, they saw that you spent all that time giving away free food, collecting feedback. You had documented in there, I suspect, the time you spent in college researching and building the menu. Was it all of those things? Oh, yeah. This, this, that, that, that great level of foundation that we set. That gave them, I got to think, as well as you guys, of course, high confidence that you guys knew what you were doing going Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. That's wonderful. That's incredible. This is Henry Lopez. Before we continue with this episode, I have a few questions for you. Are you struggling with getting started or making the transition from your corporate job to starting your own business? Or are you a current small business owner who needs help with managing and growing your business? Are you ready to invest in your future? I invite you to schedule a free business coaching consultation with me. Just text BIZCOACH to 31996 for more information. I welcome the opportunity to chat with you about your business dreams and goals and offer the guidance and accountability that we all need to achieve success. As an experienced small business owner, I understand the challenges you are facing, and often it's about helping you ask the right questions so that you can make progress towards achieving your goals. I can help you get there. To find out more or to schedule your free coaching session, just text BIZCOACH to 31996 now. That's B-I-Z. C-O-A-C-H, BizCoach, to 31996, or visit thehowabusiness.com. All right, so now you're getting, you're at the point now, what do you foresee? When do you think you'll start being able to pay yourselves uh, a salary or a profit? So what we, in our business plan, um, established that we average between eight and 10 events a month. Um, and that's, again, catering, festival, pop-ups, you name it. In order to pay ourselves, we're probably going to have to increase another 5% in events or raise prices in a few areas. Mm -hmm. So we haven't figured out 
what's actually we're going to do. Um, but probably if I had to guess, we'll probably end up increasing business by 5%, yeah. three to 5%. And you've got the funding now that you need to grow the business. It's just a matter of time and for all the work that you've been doing to, to pay off an additional clients. Yep. Just, just more clients. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's take a step back now that, that we've gotten up to date. How did you come up with the name Turntable? So here's, here's what happened. So we have a good friend named, named Jamal who helped us along the way. He's going to be um, the official nutritionist for Turntable. And so we were kind of talking amongst ourselves like, you know, we got to name this thing. It's just going to be incredible. Working on a business plan. We don't even know what we're going to call it. And we came up with the name Turntable because our love of music. And then Jamal goes and says, well, our customers can turn the tables on what they want to eat. And then I can't remember, but it was either Jeff or myself, but we also came up with turntable because the turntable is always moving. And so it was a food truck. And that's also what we want as a food truck at some point down the line. Okay. Yeah. I love all that. And of course, as you mentioned earlier, the integration of music into your events. Absolutely. uh, Possible is all, is all part of it. Um, all right. So is, is food truck is next after you've established the catering business? Is that where you would like to go next? Yes. Once the catering, uh, catering company is more established and we are actually paying ourselves, maybe hire two or three more people and then yes, food truck or yeah. concession trailer. And of course, at that point, if you need more money, you're going to be in a tremendously positive place to go borrow money because you can show the track record of what you've been doing with the catering business. Absolutely. What's the ultimate dream for you as far as this business goes? I would love for us to have a sustainable catering company and maybe a fleet of um, a mixture of concession trailers and food trucks, maybe 10, I would say. And that's it. I'd be fine with that. Not a brick and mortar restaurant location. Never, ever, ever. Why is that? You, you know, having a brick and mortar, gosh, you, you can't, you, you can't have your personal life anymore. You know, you'll always be wondering what's going on in the restaurant. You'll have to check. Oh, gosh, I can't, you know, shout out to all of the restaurant owners. I commend you all for being able to take <laughs> on that high level of stress. But Jeff and I, we, we can't do it. it yeah. We just can't. That's fantastic. That's great that you understand and realize now because, I mean, you are right, of course. And I've owned a couple of restaurants, not at the level that you guys are at. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's nonstop, right? Nonstop. Yeah. Um, plus, you have the challenge of location then becomes such a factor in your success. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Well, that's great. I love the vision that you have and where you're going with it. Um, if we look back now, you've been at this for a little bit. What, what's one thing that stands out that you would do differently if you could go back and do it again? I think go back and do it again. I would say do more research. More research than you already did? More research. Do you think, though, that at some point you can get paralyzed? Like, you know, the paralysis analysis is something I suffer with, which, which you know, you keep looking at and looking at and you don't do anything. Do you think you could possibly fall into that trap then if you did even more research? Yeah, it could happen. Absolutely. Yeah. What, what, what area would you have done more research in? What we did was we just gave out samples. Um, to the community for people to try. I kind of wish we had the infrastructure or the time to give full meals, like an entree and two sides. Okay. 
Yeah, we gave out a lot of handheld food, uh, and that's how we did did the research. Yeah. As far as your partnership with Jeff, is there anything you would go back and do differently? I think because we have the operating agreement and we did baby steps, everything worked accordingly to plan. I know it doesn't happen like that all the time in reality, but I'm glad this did. Yeah, it's rare. How, how did you know to put it down on paper in a partnership agreement, to agree to those divisions of duties? How did you figure that out? One of the ways that Jeff and I both learned that, that makes our friendship so strong is we love to hear about other people who have failed. I, I love to ask current business owners, um, why did you do this? Why did you fail? What's your story? How can I learn from it? And then how can I apply it? Um, that's basically what we did. You know, everyone that we didn't do anything special, but everyone that does have a business partner, we listened, we shut up and we just processed the information. Yeah. Yeah. You guys learned, you, you took it all in instead of having an attitude of, I got this right. And, and that, um, that's to be commended. Thank you. I think you also had a very strong friendship. There was a very mature friendship and that, that was part of it as well. Yeah. I talked to so many people who, especially in that phase, in the honeymoon phase, as I call it, of a relationship, <laughs> a partnership, a business, they think everything's going to be great forever and they don't talk through the things that later on can ruin a partnership, not to mention a friendship. Yes. Uh, so I think that's great. When someone asks you now, you talk to someone who, oh, I want to open a restaurant. I, I'd, I'd love to be in the restaurant business. What's uh, advice you give them typically? The reality of if you enjoy personal time and you enjoy taking vacations and naps and being with your family, forget all that. It's out the window now if you want a brick and mortar. And they look and at me with their bug eyes and I'm <laughs> like, it's, it's the truth. That's right. It, business in general, what do, you, what do you think has been the biggest sacrifice that you've had to make, and Jeff as well, to get to where you are now? Well, I tell you, we had to stop playing video games for a while. <laughs> and staying up all night playing. Yeah, right? staying up all night. And yeah, yeah. It, and we just had to make sure we had the numbers. Yeah. That was a lot of sacrifice there to make sure that we were on top of that. You had to sacrifice a lot of things also to, to put some money aside, right? Because you were young and uh, it's, 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 there's a lot of things pulling at that money when you're that age. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I paid for, you know, my way at towards the end of my college, my way to get through it. And I accumulated some debt. So I had to, you know, give somebody the turntable as well as get myself out of debt. It was yeah. a big stretch, but sacrifices had to be made. That's right. What do you, and you're observing now as you work with other entrepreneurs, now that you're involved with SCORE, what do you see as one of the common challenges that keeps people from achieving their dreams for starting a business? Doesn't matter what kind of business, but what do you think holds people back from going for it? So there's two, there's two things there. The first one is the emotional side. People think that, you know, being an entrepreneur is glamorous and it's cool and which, you know, it can be, it has its moments, but entrepreneurs, I think for me is they have to understand this is going to be a lone cold road. If you have a partner, that's good. Uh, but you're going to, have to make a tremendous amount of sacrifices and that side is often not discussed. So I try to really hone in on that. And that's first. And then the second issue I see is the lack of a, a strong strategic business plan. You know, that saying, go back to the drawing board, 
well, that business plan is your drawing board. And if it's strong enough, if the business model shifts or what have you, you can catch it, you can be prepared for it. So uh, th- that was the issues I see. And, and why, why do you continue to make the sacrifices? I mean, I understood up front the part about serving a need in the community that you guys had identified, but it's got to be more than that, right? What is it that keeps you making the sacrifices, working hard, continue to build this business? For you personally, where are you going with this? For me, now, I, I can't speak for Jeff on that, but for me, this is fun. I'm in love with the process and I love every bit of everything I've accomplished. Um, I feel like I'm getting more out of life and more out of myself uh, with all the sacrifices I made. I'm keep, I keep pushing myself. I, I love this. Yeah, that's great. I love it. All right. We, I touched on it in a bio, and, and I think I read somewhere, I'm going to quote you here, uh, that you're looking to, to develop uh, the opportunities that are more inclusive and accessible channels for entrepreneurs to get necessary resources, mentoring and support, long-term success in your region, uh, end quote. Tell me more about that. What are we talking about there and what have you observed that's still lacking in your area for young entrepreneurs like yourself? Yeah, great question. So uh, it's again, it's those two points I just touched on, not understanding the emotional side of being an entrepreneur, that this is, it's a lone world, it's going to be stressful, a lone road, um, it's going to be stressful, you're going to get to a point. So does that mean, but are, so are there no, no, there's not enough mentors or places to go for a young entrepreneur to get that guidance? Is that what you're saying? Exactly correct. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want entrepreneurs to know that, yes, it's fun, but you're going to sacrifice a lot. A lot's going to change. And even one thing that I didn't realize is that the deeper you get into your business plan and you have certain friends or certain family members, and when you're talking about cost analysis and when you're talking about brand development and et cetera, you're going to have people that look at you pretty crazy that have no idea what you're talking about. And that's also an eye-opening experience. I had a family member one time tell me that, you know, DeAndre, I could see you running a hotel and your catering company. And I kind of took a, I took a pause and I'm like, why can't I just run my catering company? Why do I have to have another income? It, do you think it won't be successful? So, you know, doubt from even friends and family members, it's going to happen. And then also for the entrepreneurs in my area, creating stronger business plans. Um, The business cannabis model has saved our lives. It's made everything so much easier. It's essentially a snapshot of the business plan. Uh, Bankers can flip to that page, understand what they're getting ready to read, and then go forward. So I want to be able to help entrepreneurs understand the emotional side and build better business plans. That's great. That's great. All right. We talked about where you're going next. Obviously, you got to get to the point where you're paying yourselves a salary, then go to the food truck as the next step. Other than that, what, what else are you seeing are your biggest challenge or biggest challenges right now that you've got coming in the next year? So our current challenge, um, after seven months of being in operation in 2018, uh, we lost our commercial kitchen that we were in ah. due to politics, if you will. Um, so we're trying to fight that battle to find a new location or talk to the current owners of reopening the establishment. So that's where we're at now. So we're technically not operating. 
Uh, but we are keeping the brand alive by doing some just grassroots uh, food preparation outreach. Uh, Jeff's, you know, posting some food videos online. Um, I'm doing a few speaking engagements around the community. Uh, but we're, we're keeping the brand alive as best we can. Yeah. Is there, I'm assuming there's a lack of commercial kitchens in your area? Oh, is there? I think that's an opportunity that somebody needs to start filling because there's so many more entrepreneurs going this route, right? Not jumping to building their own restaurant right yeah. away. Yeah. Uh, or serving food trucks or whatever the case might be. And it's such, Absolutely. It's such the right way to start a restaurant business, in my opinion, um, that you would think there'd be more commercial kitchens available. Yes. Um, all right. So we'll start to wrap it up here. Uh, What's one action item? What would you like our listeners to do after listening to your story? If anyone is, you know, thinking about starting a business, not for sure if they really want to, been tossing around the idea for three years, I say do it. Uh, take baby steps, no need to rush. And uh, do not be afraid of no. Um, the entrepreneurial spirit is to get out there. And if you are denied or told no, figure out another way. Having a partner, does that help? I got to think with those days when you do feel dejected and uh, especially, I mean, you're going through a challenge now. Has that helped get through it? Do you think you might have had a more likelihood of, not that you would quit because I don't think that's your personality, but tell me about that dynamic and how that helps you get through the tough times. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Jeff is, is always there. Uh, we help each other. Um, it's, it's really cool. Um, both of us are analytical and we both have this talent to where he can see big picture and I can see little picture or I can see big picture and he can see little picture. Mm -hmm. um, so we're pretty versatile in being able to complement each other on our strengths and our weaknesses. Um, so if I have an issue for, per se, Jeff is, will say, well, what about we going this route, looking at it from this lens or this perspective, if you will, and maybe we'll get some different feedback or some different results. Um, we normally think of things that the other one normally doesn't, and that's pretty helpful in, you know, completing tasks. So, yeah, it's just having each other's back. That's wonderful. All right, before we started uh, recording, I asked you about a resource that you might recommend, and you mentioned Pinterest has been a big resource for you in, in doing research. Tell me about that. Yes. So, so Jeff and I, we, we have our, our tools that, you know, really help us figure out, you know, what we need to do and what we want to do. Uh, for me, it is Pinterest. Um, there's just so many tools on there, how to, um, or how to think or how to be, how to create all those how to's uh, really stand out and help me kind of figure out, oh, okay, this is pretty general. I can take this, use it to, to, you know, my own or apply it to what I'm doing. Um, so that would be my, my useful tool. Um, Jeff's useful tool, believe it or not, is Netflix. Okay. Um, and how's he, that? Uh, he draws from watching all of those uh, chef documentaries. Yeah, there's lots of them on there. Lots of them. And he's able to, with his notepad, um, he, it's pretty cool. Um, he'll take some recipes, apply his own, research them, just, you know, watch them. And over time, he's developed this wall of sticky notes full of recipes. Is it's that right? Pretty, 
Yeah, I love watching those because really what you're watching is an artist do their thing, right? Absolutely. I think cooking yes. and, and developing recipes is an art as much yes. as a science. Yes, it is. All right, fantastic. Where would you like our listeners to go online to find out more about you and Turntable? TurntableLLC.com. You can contact, contact me that way. Uh, feel free to follow me on or add me on Facebook or LinkedIn, DeAndre Wilson. I'm in Evansville, Indiana. Our Twitter, um, underscore Mr. DMs. Uh, feel free to reach out to me. Let's connect. Let's build. Wonderful. Jondra, this has been a great conversation as I, I thought it would be. I was appreciative when you reached out and, and doing the research. I thought it would be inspirational to chat with you, and indeed it has been. Thanks for taking the time to be with me today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. This is Henry Lopez, and thanks for listening to this episode of The How of Business. My guest again today was DeAndre Wilson. We release new episodes every Monday morning. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and at our website, thehowofbusiness.com. You can also text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996 to receive more information. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.